The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of KWAM. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome to today's program. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and if you're looking for advice on topics like purchasing a home or investing in your 401k, buying the right amount of insurance, well, all that's important, and that's the thing we're thinking about. But if you're also looking for that simple little tip just to jumpstart your savings account, well, this is a program for you. If you've got questions for us, just send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Well, here's a topic for us today. This is kind of where we're headed. I think you'll find it to be interesting, so stay with us. Stock prices, as we all know, have made a strong comeback since March and since basically in the second quarter. But some people believe, and I kind of tend to agree with them, that it's overvalued. It's just too risky to be in the stock market. Now, volatility, it remains high, but it's within normal ranges, some people say. In fact, if you get into a discussion, people will say, well, volatility is volatility. It's what it is. But unemployment, you know, is at 11%. And if we understand all this is going on, there's this monetary stimulus that's kind of been a big cloud hanging out over everybody. It seems to have been the key to the stock market increases. And here's the question, will it continue? What about fiscal policy? Well, all this is going on. I mean, it tell you what, it makes it difficult to make any decisions. How does this affect you, the investor? Well, my guest is Bob Dahl today, Senior Portfolio Manager and Chief Equity Strategist from Nuveen. Bob, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, sir. Always good to hear your voice. Always good to hear yours, sir. I appreciate you being with us today. Bob, there are so many questions. I hope you've got about two and a half hours because there's enough <laughs> questions for us today. <laughs> I tell you, let's start with monetary stimulus. Let's start with monetary stimulus, Bob. What's, what do you think? I think the Fed deserves very high marks. Um, they came on the scene early and often, as they say. Massive stimulus. I think the uh, Fed chair deserves high marks for ruling out negative interest rates. As you know, that was an experiment in Europe and Japan, and it's not worked. Um, the goals of monetary policy, first calm the markets and then narrow the spreads. And I think, uh, Jim, they've done a really good job. Well, you know, when you talk about that, I mean, the concern that so many people have is that we are printing a lot of money. And uh, we're going to pay the price someday. In your thoughts, with this monetary stimulus, is it running out of steam? I mean, is that is it effectively had a great impact for our second quarter? But what's going to be the third and fourth quarter? Well, as as we say, we pay attention to the second derivative, meaning the pace of monetary policy remains very high but no acceleration from here. It's like when you're driving a car, when you go from 30 to 60 to 70 to 80, uh, wow, that's not just a fast speed, but also acceleration. The Fed's got its foot on the accelerator. We're going 100 miles an hour, but we're not going to 110. And therefore, um, we have to pay attention to other things because monetary stimulus can't fix everything. To your point about we're printing money, yep, we are, no question about it. Um, as we have done in other crises, you've heard me before, Jim, rail against governments that run deficits all the time. If you run a surplus during good periods, then you have the ability to run a deficit in the difficult periods. But we seem to run deficits all the time. There, there are three ways out of this. In other words, who's going to pay for it? That is, first of all, a 2021, not a 2020 question. 2020 is get us out of the mess. 21 and beyond, the three possibilities, one, kind of keep the status quo. Uh, high deficits, high debt. Japan's tried that, and what it leads to is permanently slower economic growth. That's not very pleasant. Second way to tack, uh, tackle it is to raise taxes, which we did in big way after the Great Depression. That, of course, leads to some redistribution. That's not a very good alternative. And the third is to continue to monetize. 
um, you know, just run the printing presses, that eventually leads to uh, higher inflation and a lower dollar. That's not very pleasant either. So the point is, we are borrowing from the future. Uh, and the piper will have to be paid. The decision will unfortunately probably be more a political one than an economic one, and it'll be some combination of you and me and our kids and our grandkids. You know, that's an alarming thought. When you, when you drive that out, say, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you said grandkids, and then we go further that, and that great-grand, oh, that, that generation after generation. Have you ever thought about that from a standpoint of, I mean, I may not have to pay the price, but is there really a way, if you and I could get in a room with 20 other very, well, if you and I, let's see, if you and 20 other bright people and I got into the room with you, uh, could we figure out a way that this could be, if you were just given a blank piece of paper and you said, okay, start, and how would you try to fix this if we were going, if our objective was to correct this problem that you just basically drew out? I mean, you've got... You know, you're talking about keep everything status quo, raise taxes, monetize. Okay, those were three options. Is there a fourth option that you would be comfortable with? I, I don't think so. The problem, as I hinted, and as you well know, is we start in the hole. If you don't start in the hole, it's a lot easier to fix the problem. But when you start in the hole, you you got some real problems. Mm. Um, now, look. This is not the first time we've run a big deficit. It is not the first time we've had a lot of debt. And we have gotten away with it for a bunch of reasons. The, the main one being we're the, the United States, the U.S. dollar, is the reserve currency of the world. And that enables us, can I say it this way, to commit more sins than those who don't have the reserve currency of the world. Uh, we're able to get away with a whole lot more. Um, and, of course, as the skeptic would say, Bob, what are you worried about? As debt has gone up, as the deficit has gone up, so is the economy and the stock market. They're correlated. The more debt, the better the economy does. Well, it, this is true if you statistically look at it, uh, but that, that can't most likely last forever, Jim. Well, that's a great point. You're, most likely not forever. And that's probably something we all need to take into consideration. I've heard you talk about, Bob, and, and some of the thoughts that – as an investor that now in today's market, we have to be extremely selective. Finding an opportunity in the market, and I think that's true, is just very difficult. Talk about that. What what do you see and what are you doing? Yeah, you know, so a couple of words about the market and the context, and I suspect you want to come back to that at, any, at some point anyway. That is to say, we had the gargantuan decline. We had an, a better-than-expected rebound. To me, we're now in churn phase. I think we'll look back over the summer and say the stock market churned uh, because there are positives and there are negatives, which implies you can't just get in and ride the wave. That's, that's what people have done that were fortunate enough to get in on March 23rd at the bottom. They've been riding the wave. From here, I think just it gets a lot trickier. As you know, uh, up until the last oh, eight weeks or so, uh, all you wanted in your uh, U.S. equity portfolio was big cap stocks, growth stocks, defensive stocks, U.S. stocks. And, and uh, in the last couple months, we've had a lot of days where value's done better than growth, where small's done better than big, um, where cyclical stocks have been done better than defensive stocks. Uh, my, my point is I think we're moving to a period where it's not – um, either or, it's both and, and then you have to go inside and find companies that, 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 that can, can make it happen, companies that can generate cash flow, companies that don't have inordinate leverage and debt, companies that uh, can uh, sing a pretty song in a world that at least temporarily, maybe longer term, has changed. Can they adapt their business model? Can they win in the environment of post-COVID, uh, which is different from pre-COVID, et cetera. So, uh, yep, you've got to do your homework. Wow. That's, um, that's why we use the professional manager, because doing your homework, that's what you do every day. If you just tuned yeah, in, my guest is I Bob Dahl. Like, I'm sorry, Bob. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, yes, I and many of my um, uh, uh, compatriots do, and we struggle spending all our time doing it. I don't know how people can do it with, you know, a couple hours every day. Yeah, that's the problem. And, uh, and so many of them, I know, do try to do that. If you just tuned in, this is Bob Dahl. He's Chief Equity Strategist and Senior Portfolio Manager for Nuveen. And, Bob, historically, you have done what's called your 10 predictions or predictions. And each and every year you get you score. And this is kind of the mid-year of that. And I have to say, I'm always awed and impressed and uh, just simply because you have a high record of making predictions sometime in December. And literally, uh, you're in the better than 94 or 5% accuracy over these predictions over many years. How long have you been doing the, 20, the, the predictions? Uh, more than 25. We're not sure exactly what year it started, but 25 approaching 30. Uh, I've always, and that, by the way, I, I always look forward to seeing what you predicted and then being really impressed with your success. Let's start with this one. You said short recession, noticeable recovery before year end. That's what I believe was one of your predictions. Yeah, well, uh, the, 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 well, first of all, in the interest of full disclosure, as you know, we come out with them in December, and for the first time in the 30 years, we reissued a second set in April. The world changed. Coronavirus changed everything. We didn't anticipate uh, coronavirus, so a lot of what we said in December, you know, we're going we're to grade ourselves on that, no, no question about it. But now that we've had coronavirus, we've experienced a, a sharp but short recession. I would argue the recession's over, Jim. The low point in our economy was April. February, March, and April were the, was the recession. May is better than April. June is better than May. And that's going to continue, not in a straight line or, you know, V, a recovery forever, but up, uh, upward and to the right. Now, we're a long way off from being at a new high in terms of economic activity. That's why we call it recovery rather than expansion. Uh, The expansion may not start for a bunch more quarters, but we have to recover everything we've lost. But, boy, we're hard at it as we speak. You know that from the retail sales numbers, the employment reports, and all that good stuff. You know, Bob, I think, yeah, you know, when you say you had to reset and you redid that, I mean, COVID-19, there's no question that when you – when we talk about that and you think through that, it, it, it has literally changed the way we think today and the way we, it, we have a new normal, you might say. Do you see that the market in the second half of the year will come back to the old normal? Or, or, or are we going to this point where everything is going to collapse and we're just going to see finally maybe the fourth quarter we'll be able to get back to something? What, what are your thoughts? So my, my view is, I said, that for the next few months, we're going to churn. That is the market. It's going to go up, and then it's going to go down. And it's going to be frustrating um, because uh, we've recovered a lot of the depths of that horrible bear market that only lasted a little bit more than a month. Yeah. Uh, but now we have to deal with, um, back, back to your first question, when the monetary authorities are accelerating, when that second derivative is positive, to use that language again, you don't have to worry about many other things. Don't fight the Fed. But as the Fed levels out at a high level, now you have to c- consider what are the issues out there. And, and there are a bunch of them. Uh, one is it's not going to be a straight line V. We've seen that with some of the southern states and the pickup in coronavirus cases and, you know, the restaurant, uh, oh, you can come on inside. Oh, no, 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 I was only kidding. you got to stay outside. You know, those sorts of things uh, are, are likely to continue. Valuation levels have moved from very attractive to much less so. Uh, the the geo the domestic and geopolitical uncertainties uh, including the election are significant so all of those things to me now it's a balancing act absent a resurgence uh, and a significant second wave and a downturn on the economy the bear market low is in uh, that that occurred on uh, on March 23rd sooner than most of us thought it was uh, a quick bear market and now we're in recovery mode again so, all right, you don't feel at this point, make sure, make that, you know, when we talk about this mindset that, you know, volatility is real, we seem to be overvalued, and the market just seems risky. So you're not seeing and you're not thinking that in your predictions, I mean, I look at, you know, you earnings collapse but rise smartly 
by the fourth quarter. I want you to talk about that, but here's the second part of that question. So if Ernst, everybody sees it, do you not think that there could be a that typical August just falling out of the market? I mean, a 10, 15, 20% drop in the market in August? I mean, now I'm not asking you to predict that. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I, am. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want you to tell. No, <laughs> so I can know, Bob. But the point is, I mean, there seems to be this rubber band that's just gotten tighter and tighter and tighter. And I know from just history that at some point in time it has to break. Do you not see that when you talk about earnings? I mean, or you think there's so much room here for us to keep moving at this point? So, so to me, churn means we could have, uh, you know, over a period of weeks, up 5 to 10 percent, and over a period of weeks, down 5 to 10, we, 10 percent easily. Um, so let's put some numbers on it. The bear market low was 21.92 on the S&P 500. Uh, today, we're at 31.45. We've come a long way. I do believe during this churn period, we're at the higher end of the range. Call it 3150. Uh, 2950 is to me sort of fair value. So, you know, a couple hundred points on 3145, that's what, 6, 7%. Right. And markets always overshoot. Could we see 2750? Yeah, that's possible. That wouldn't be fun. That'd be painful. But I don't think we're going to see 2192 because earnings are rising smartly. Look, we're about to have, as you know, second quarter earnings, and the reading's going to be awful. But I don't think the stock market cares about the second quarter. Why did it go down 35% in, uh, you know, from mid-February to mid-March? Answer, it knew these horrible earnings were com- coming. Why is it recovered so much? Because it knows the third and the first, fourth quarter earnings is going to be a lot better. You know, Bob, you're predicting also that the dollar weakness as global growth strengthens, in, in, you know, there's the dollar weakens in the second half. Talk about that from the global perspective. I mean, sure. we're, you said so, a while ago we're the strongest, the U.S., you know, our dollar is the strongest, our currency in the world. All right, talk about what happens when the dollar weakens. Sure. So, so the, the cause of, back up, you'll recall the dollar began to weaken in the fourth quarter of last year into the early part of this year. Uh, And then coronavirus came, and then everybody came back to the safe haven called the U.S. dollar, and so the dollar strengthened again. Our guess is as we move into a post-COVID world, uh, the dollar will begin to weaken again. Uh, What will the reasons be? Well, we don't have the interest rate advantage versus the rest of the world. It was not that many months ago that our interest rates were higher than the rest of the world. So people naturally put money into the U.S., which pushes the dollar up. That prop's not there anymore. Second, we've got um, non-U.S. economies that will recover as well. And when they do, there'll be more interest in things overseas and therefore a little less interest in the dollar. We're not looking for a dollar crash, just some moderate weakness, uh, which means non-U.S. markets will begin to do a little bit better as well. All right. Again, if you just tuned in, we're talking about the market. We're talking about predictions that my guest has done for over 20, 25 years. Bob Dahl, he is the chief equity strategist and senior portfolio manager for Nuveen. And Bob, I've got a couple of more here with the time remaining, and I think it's important. You have always, in your predictions, you say that, I mean, the coal wars within the U.S., I mean, you're talking about, I know what you mean by that, and you might want to explain, and between the U.S. and China uh, continue. I mean, is this is this not a part of the overall problem? I mean, this you're saying it's not going to change. They're just they're unchanged. Is what you said? It's going to continue. Talk about yes. That. Sadly, uh, Jim, the Cold War wars within the U.S. are multiple: the haves versus the have-nots. Uh, the race issues we've seen of late, uh, the political divide in our country measured so many different ways is as stark as it's ever been, and that doesn't lead to a whole lot of. Uh, unity and, uh, you know, we can do it together spirit. And then, of course, the one in China, um, we're aware of that. China, not that many years ago, was a friend and then became a competitor and now is an adversary. Uh, And when you have the number one and number two powers in the world not getting along particularly well, that's a cold war. You know, my prayer at night is it remains a cold war, never becomes a hot war. That would be absolutely ugly. Uh, we're not forecasting that, but we've got to keep our eye on that as well. 
You know, I, there's so much I would like to talk to you about. I guess, I mean, I, I want to make sure that we cover some things that I think our investing people listening would appreciate. And you talk about this this whole idea. In fact, I want to ask this question, then I've got one more. We'll have to take the break before we get the other. In the past, you actually say in your, in your prediction this time that financial, I mean, the, the, the investor, the professional uh, is going to be able to and well, let me put it to you. You say advice equity managers outperform their indexes for the first time in a decade. Now, that's unchanged. You predicted that. Now, I got my question for you is that's a tremendous. Why is it so difficult for an active manager in this market to outperform an index? So for starters, more than half of us are outperforming so far this year. So this prediction's heading in the right direction. But... We've had 10 straight years where the index fund has beaten more than half the active managers. Uh, and you might say, uh, you know, can the index always win? Have active managers lost it? No, there are cyclical reasons that you can look to to figure out, is it likely the index is going to beat active or more than half the actives will beat the index? And we've had 10 straight years where it's gone against us. When big cap stocks beat small cap stocks, when uh, U.S. stocks beat non-U.S. stocks, when markets have high returns, when interest rates fall, I'm giving you the list of things that are headwinds for active managers. As those things reverse, and we think there many of them are in the process of doing, this is the reason why more than half of active managers are beginning to win. So it's not a secular story, it's a cyclical story, but the cycles lasted 10 straight years, causing a lot of people to give up. Uh, we think this is the wrong time to give up on active managers. Well, I agree with that. I mean, I've watched you guys for so long and know what you bring to the table is so, so critical. If you just tune in, we're talking with Bob Dahl, Chief Equity Strategist for Nuveen, and he's, a, he's the Senior Portfolio Manager. Bob, there is a prediction, and you always make it. I'm not going to let you answer it before we take the break. It's always your political, and, and I always appreciate it. And amazing, you've always been pretty correct on your predictions. Well, when we come back, Bob's going to give us his 2020 election year prediction. It's always tough in the middle of this one of the presidential election. I'm excited to hear it. I want to hear what your thoughts, all your ideas behind it. It's a critical, critical year for presidential elections. So you don't want to miss that coming back because we're going to be Bob Dahl will share with us just a few minutes when he'll be back with us when we take the break. Coming up after Bob, though, don't forget, we've got two guys coming up. We're going to talk about selecting your best your portfolio mix for your risk tolerance, the best you can do and how to do it. And also with all this unemployment at 11%, I've got someone going to talk to us about career transitioning. Stay with us. You won't, don't want to miss it. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Richard Redmond are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Neither Security and Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Bob Dahl or Nuveen. The views and opinions expressed are those of Bob Dahl only and may not be presented on behalf of or endorsed by Security and Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. My guest, Bob Dahl, Chief Equity Strategist and Senior Portfolio Manager for Nuveen. We've been talking about predictions and understanding what it means to just literally go through the process of being an investor. Bob always does a great job. He does 10 predictions each year. This year with the coronavirus, he actually made a couple of adjustments, which I think is uh, important because nobody thought about a 30% drop or uh, downturn in the market in March. And the reality is it's always a pleasure, Bob, to have you on the air with us and just to kind of walk us through this. But, but here's the key. It's a presidential election and you always make a political prediction. Now, coronavirus, recession, unemployment, riots. This reminds me, except for the 
you know, we, we did have something called in 1968, we call it the Hong Kong flu. 100,000 people died. We had riots in the streets because Mr. Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated. We had an election coming up. It's a similar situation. What's your prediction for 2020 and the presidential election? Yes, coming into the year, Jim, we thought President Trump was a shoe-in for re-election. Uh, there are 10 presidents that have run for a second term absent a recession. Every one of them, 10, of, 10 out of 10, have been re-elected. And that was what we were basing it on. But then we got a recession that nobody expected. You know, people vote their pocketbooks at the end of the day. And of the six presidents that ran since 1900 in a recession, five out of six went down to defeat. So I think it is a, a big uphill battle, and we think Donald Trump, therefore, will be a one-term president. Let me add to that. There are six battleground states in our country that decide elections. All six of them have an unemployment rate is, that is in the highest quartile of employment rate, unemployment rate in our country at this juncture. Those odds are just tough to overcome. Now, it's four months to the election. That's a long time. Lots of things can change, but uh, that's the tall order we see in front of uh, our president. Well, let me ask you this, Bob. Now, just, um, just, just bear with me for a second. If that's the case, all right, what happens if we have, you know, Mr. Biden, or we should, should, is that going to change the way we invest? Because if you said earlier, there's three ways to fix this thing, you know, monetize or raise taxes or whatever, and he's talking about raising taxes. Would that be a problem for us as investors in 2021? Uh, my, my, my guess is, yes, it will be a problem. So let me answer it this way. I think the market uh, it would prefer a status quo election. We know what we've got. I also think that the market could live with a President Biden if the Senate remains Republican, because then the Republicans can stop anything extreme, significant, big tax increases that uh, President Biden would want to uh, propose. But if it's a Democratic sweep, and each passing day, the probability of that seems to be going up, that would not be great for the markets, because we would have pretty quick tax increase um, uh, for businesses and for high-income and high-wealth Americans, and we would have some re-regulation. As you know, the Trump administration has has unwound a lot of regulation, and whether you're for that or not, it is fair to say it is business, uh, economy, and market-friendly. Well, my prayer is that doesn't happen. Uh, you know, I just feel like that would not be good for us as a country. But again, let's take back. You know, be careful with all the politics. We can get into politics, and and it's like a, you know, you stick your hand into the muck in the mire, you don't come out clean. You just get muck in mire. <laughs> This is true. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate you each and every time we have you on the air. You're a dear friend. Thank you for being with us, and have a blessed day, sir. Be safe. Talk to you next time. Have a great rest of the summer, Jim. You too. Uh Bob Dahl, Chief Equity Strategist and Senior Portfolio Manager for Nuveen. Always a great guest to have. Someone who I certainly appreciate what he has to say and always count his wisdom and counsel as being extremely important. Well, here's another guy I have in the studio with me now that I also count his wisdom and counsel as being exceptional, a wise person, very discerning, and he's talking about selecting a portfolio mix that's best suited for your risk tolerance. And welcome to the program, Scott. Scott Jordan. Great to be here, Jim. Well, Scott, you are talking about something that I think people struggle with because Absolutely. risk, as Bob was talking about, risk is risk. But how do you look at people? We all have money personalities, and right. my wife's got right. a different money personality than I do. So talk to me. They reflect our attitudes. They reflect our attitudes towards earning and spending and saving and investing. So what is what are you talking about when I say money personalities? 
Well, you know, Jim, we people tend to use money, and I, I think people put a lot of pressure on money. They want it to give them security, freedom, love, all kinds of things. You know, in, in life, we all we all have experiences with money, and and what I, what I'm talking about there is we kind of have a personality that goes around our money based on our experience and and what we're wanting that money to do for us. Now, surely, money is a one of the tools that we use to accomplish the goals and dreams that we have in life, and. You know, understanding that money personality when you're when you're factoring that into the investment decisions and how we're going to design a portfolio is extremely important to understand. All right, I understand it. My wife and I, you know, we can have a conversation about money, and uh, you know, we've learned that probably that always is not always our best conversation. <laughs> right, right. You know, not that we argue. It's just that she has a different. She's very artsy. She's very right. You know, that type of person, and I'm a numbers guy. My favorite book in the Bible, Numbers. Numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, I just, you know, I got it memorized almost. No, but here's the point. All right, there's different personalities that reflect a different emotional reaction to risk. Walk me through what you've found out in your studies about personalities. Well, and, and a lot of these are coming. There's a, there's a book called Sound Mind Invest, The Sound Mind Investment Handbook by a guy named Austin Pryor. A lot of this comes from that. So if you want to read a little more about this, that'd be a good, good place to start. Uh, and he kind of narrows it down to four basic personality types when it comes to temperament. temperament around investing so uh, and i'll unpack these a little bit but you have the daredevils the explorers the researchers and the preservers um and now i don't think anybody falls real neatly into one of those categories we probably have a little bit of a lot of those in there but you look at the daredevils that's your real aggressive investor you know plenty of self-confidence they enjoy the investment process they kind of feed off of the excitement around it and they're they uh really kind of look at playing the markets on a short-term basis. So they're living in the fast lane. When Very it comes fast to lane. Okay. I, you know, and I've seen an uptick in that recently. <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can talk a little more about yeah, that. But, that's uh, true. And then you have the explorers. Now, the, the explorers are, they're kind of fascinated by the whole investment process. And they, they like to do a lot of research, but they kind of lack a little bit of that self-confidence. So they tend to take more refuge in the safety of following the crowd. So uh, like the process, tend to listen to a lot of people and follow the crowd on that. All right, so now Daredevil, I can, I, you know, some of you listening right now, you immediately identify with the Daredevil, or maybe you are the explorer. You know, you, you like doing the markets. You like being, you know, you're fascinated with it. But now, Scott, those two, I can see them almost working. They can work together. They could. Okay, they could. what's another two? Well, then you have the researchers. Now, this is this is the person who... You know, their self-confidence, they, they, they can overcome their concerns, but they do a lot of research. They tend toward a lot of caution, want to know all the facts and figures before they make a decision, really like to dig into the details. Um, and so that personality type is really going to need to do a lot more investigation before they make an investment decision. So is that the guy that struggles with paralysis by analysis? Can be. Can I mean, be can be a handicap the of theirs is they can't really make a decision because they need more information. Okay. And, and as you know, there's no certainty in the market. No, if you're waiting for certainty, you'll never get anything done, right? You never you, you invest. To, right. So, so the person that is a researcher can literally probably – if he's married to a daredevil, that could make a great team. They, they can make a great team. They can definitely complement each other with their skills, and it, but there can also be some uh, uh, communication sure. <laughs> breakdown between those two. And, that, and that's where it's important to sit down and talk about that a lot and understand where both, person, both of the personality types are coming from and why they feel the way they feel. You know, I've always told people that if you're going to be an investor and you're trying to do it by yourself, you can handicap yourself because of you your can. personality. You can, big time. But if you end up saying, okay, if I'm married, you always got your spouse. Yep. If you're not married, you get a partner. Right, I mean, right. Somebody to bounce the ideas off can, of. Yeah. yeah, if you're doing this research or either, if I'm the daredevil, I need somebody to grab me by the nap of the neck and say, time out. You right. know, you're rushing too hard. You're in the fast lane. So I would suggest to anybody who's thinking about moving into the investment arena. And as Bob said, we see a lot of people doing that today, pulling the string, yep. kind of dangerous if you're not doing the research. So researchers, explorers, you can work with that daredevil, but, but work together. Now, there's the fourth one. And tell me about the fourth guy, because this is the person that, you know, that really I know can be too 
much. Right, right. We'll call them the preserver. They tend to worry about everything in the market and be extremely cautious. And they can really, uh, you know, they can um, really have a hard time with investing because their emotions can get in the way. And they just can be tend to be a little more fearful and just want to preserve that money and, and want to hang on to that money. That makes so much sense. And, and I think that person is, is too much of a handicap. Can so, be. So you look at the daredevil and the preserver, they couldn't work together because they would struggle. They would <laughs> be would. an argument. So if you look and, at And we tip, see that a lot, oh, sure. actually. You, yeah, you we, see that a lot with couples. And I, I don't think there's a, there's a negative aspect to any of these personality types per se, I think it's just understanding your tendency in those. And like I said, very rarely does somebody fall neatly into one of those categories. We'll have certain aspects of all of those, oh. but um, having, you know, being able to sit down and talk with somebody and understand why you feel the way you feel, and especially in, in the instance of a couple where you have two people trying to make decisions about their future together, it's really understanding where each other's coming from and coming to a compromise about those personality types and, and how we're going to move forward. Because there's always a trade-off between risk and reward. You know that. And, and most people that, that we encounter need to participate in the market in some way in order to reach their financial goals. And so. that's whether they're doing it themselves or whether they're Absolutely. actually out here hiring a professional manager. They still have to have some way of managing, as you talked about it, these personalities, the preserver, the researcher, the explorer, and the daredevil. And working. And nobody falls into just one category. There's right. a mixture. But you, it's a great idea to if you work with your spouse and, and she or he is not uh, that person, then she's listen to what she's saying. Communicate. Be transparent. Open up and say, hey, I struggle with this, but be willing to communicate with each other. Right. All right. That's critical. Scott Jordan is my guest, and we're talking about selecting a portfolio mix that's best suited for your risk temperament. We've just covered four. Preserver, researcher, explorer, and daredevil. They're pretty self-explanatory, but now, Scott... There's a thought around knowing your temperament, but knowing your priorities. Right. And that is difficult because sometimes people struggle putting together what are their, their actual priorities when they start investing. That's, that is correct. You know, we always start with the why. Investments, like I said, they're a tool to accomplish the things we want to accomplish. What are those goals? What are those dreams? What are, we, what are our deeply held values? What are we trying to accomplish? And that's where we start. Because when you know what you're trying to accomplish, then you kind of get organized and figure out where you are in relationship to that. Then it's time to start putting together a uh, strategy to make that happen. Now, part of that strategy, like we're talking about here, is is developing that portfolio mix, you know, around that risk tolerance or that temperament, but also that time horizon or what season am I at at this point in my life? That can be critical part of the decision-making process around the portfolio design as well. That makes sense. I know there's always a tension between the need for capital growth. That's if you're looking at that, that's you gotta do that. And the other side of that is the fear of capital loss. And we've actually talked about on the program that the fear of capital loss a lot of times over Steps and outweighs the need for capital growth and just shuts a person down. It does, and it also can lead to those emotional bad decisions when things happen in the market. We know we're going to see ups and downs in the market, and that fear of capital loss can can override those long-term goals and make you want to do something and make a knee-jerk reaction. So that's something that, that you really have to pay attention to and understand. Makes well. a lot of sense. Talk about the seasons of life. I know if a person knows the season that they're in, they're able to make some decisions. And you'd think that everybody kind of knows, okay, automatically, but they don't. They kind of struggle with putting that together. Help us understand that. Yeah, that's, that's kind of these phases. And this, this kind of plays into that time horizon decision. You know, there's, there's the foundational aspect where you're just getting started, uh, you're looking at, you know, maybe paying off some student loans, purchasing a house, getting married, maybe beginning to have kids. That's one stage in life. And again, there's, there's other considerations that you have to think about there before you're making the investment decisions because you want to make sure investments can stay investments. So there's, there's a lot of other planning around that, like things like having an emergency fund and, and how we're going to finance that house and all that kind of stuff that has to go into those investment decisions because everybody has a finite amount of cash flow, right? And you have to decide how you're going to use that 
uh, the most wisely. And then you get kind of into the accumulation phase. That starts really for a lot of people in the 40s and 50s. Maybe the, the kids are starting to get a little more grown and you're starting to earn a little more money. So you have a little more to play with. And that's where you're really looking at, you know, retirement's still a long way off, but you can start to see it a little closer. You're, You've got some you're starting to, you're starting to think about that. Start- and, yeah. And you have that income in order to do something. So that's kind of the accumulation phase. And, right. and let then me review. Let me go review. ahead. Foundation. Yep. Accumulation. Yep. And accumulation is where you really, this is where you really got to know your strategy. That's right. What you're trying to do. You really got to hone in that strategy and get that get that perfected. Uh, then phase three is where you get into kind of the preservation phase. And, and for a lot of people, depending on when you're going to retire, but for a lot of people, that's kind of your early 60s, kind of leading up right to retirement. You're getting really close. You're really starting to finalize those plans of how you're going to, you know, pull an income off your assets in retirement. And so that's kind of the preservation phase. You start to wanting to mix in uh, things like fixed income to, to lower the risk of the portfolio. And then finally, you get to phase four, which is the distribution phase. And that can be distribution for income for yourself, but also thinking about, you know, who's who's the next steward of these assets? How am I going to pass these on and, and start making plans around that? So, Scott, do you find that people, when you're talking to individuals, you see these temperaments? We, we talk about daredevils. We talk about researchers, explorers. We talked about those preservers. Do they get hung up and, and not able to make a decision because they haven't really developed this season of life or this strategy that you're talking about? Is that the issue? Oh, oh I think so. I think it can both cause people not to make decisions, but also to make bad decisions. Their, their, their emotions or their temperament. And like I said, you can move in and out of these. I've seen this daredevil tendency really tick up lately. Uh, it was kind of, you know, with the downturn in the market, you started to have people who want to, I mean, I call it hit, hit a home run real oh, quick, yeah, you absolutely. know, and, and they start to not to kind of get away from their long-term strategy and go, why don't I buy this stock or this stock or, or, or whatever that may be, some of the things that have been beat up. And I think that can be a dangerous mindset to your long-term goals. Well, that's absolutely. a short-term thought process, yeah. and it yeah. can be very devastating to your long-term goals. Absolutely. That's a great point for people to understand. Now, we have a we have a PDF that we'd like to make available to you. It's called Don't Panic. Now, why have we put it on our Facebook page? Simply because we know that with all this, and, and I think really what you're looking at with Bob Dahl and with Scott, a lot of volatility in the market, a lot of uncertainty in the market, but it's going to be the market. It's going to move. The volatility is real. It's normal. So we've got a PDF that you can find. It's called Don't Panic. You just simply go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for the document. It's in our post, and you'll be able to view the document, or if you'd like to print it, just download it to the PDF and print it. It's called Don't Panic. And I think you'll find it to be extremely interesting. It'll talk about some of the things that Scott's talking about, especially when it comes to developing a strategy that fits your season of life. Scott, summarize what you're talking about for our people. I mean, this is so critical. Knowing your temperament starts the process, but knowing your season yep. of life is so critical. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I would even back that up to say knowing your goals and your why starts the process and then starting to understand that temperament. Uh, what is my time horizon? What season am I in in life? And that's where you can really start to balance that risk reward ratio and develop a portfolio mix that gives you the highest probability of hitting your goals. Makes a lot of sense. That's Don't Panic. To find a copy of the PDF, just simply go to our Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for the document. It's in our post. And there you can either print the document or download it and print it or view it, whatever you'd like to do. Well, I have a guest here in the studio also. We're going to transition to Richard Redmond. Now, Richard is a career transition facilitator for Career Transition Ministries. He's been on the program before. We have 11% unemployment. Memphis has a high unemployment rate. Why is it important that a ministry of this nature fit into what's going on for us and provide a service? Well, welcome to the program, Richard. Oh, thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. All right. Let me let's start with this, because I I know so many people when I talk about unemployment, when I talk about over 2000 jobs just recently in the paper laid off by one of the largest companies here in the city. I mean, there is a lot of people that are now looking, going through that transition. 
I've heard you speak before about the shock and awe of all of a sudden somebody finding out they are they were furloughed maybe, now they're unemployed. Describe to me, first of all, I want to know what is Career Transition Ministries and what am I going to learn from someone like yourself as a facilitator? Sure. Career Transition Ministries has been around 30 years. It's served over 12,000 uh, people. You're, you've got a bunch of retired uh, former HR executives, uh, salespeople, business people uh, that can help people find their direction for what they're going to do because they've got an extreme opportunity to do something totally new, maybe not do the same job that they've always done. And they find themselves in a position where they weren't expecting this and maybe they've worked at their company for a very long time and all of a sudden now, and that's what I talked to about shock and all, we can talk about that in a second, but what do I do now? Like all of a sudden everything's great yesterday and then today, you know, they may have been furloughed for a while and then now all of a sudden it's gone. So, so when you talk about that, this is, a, this is that person that's definitely employable, they've, they've had work, they've been working, so they're going through this transition. You say it to me, it's all types of jobs. It's sales, IT, customer service. All, you're working with marketing, accounting, operating, executives, rank and file, frontline, back, you know, whatever. So this is a ministry that comes together, meets, where does yours meet, by the way? Where does your... Uh, normally it meets at Advent Presbyterian Church. Right now it's meeting uh, via Zoom. Zoom, okay. That's important for us. To, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Bottom line is, all of a sudden you go through this process and you're wondering what's happening and now you've got to put something together. Tell us what to do. Tell me what you would want somebody to know. If you'll join our, join our ministry like so many other people, you learn how to uh, create a resume most people haven't done that in a really long time. We learn how to answer behavioral questions. We learn how to have some accountability uh, as far as going out and networking and finding the, the next job. Uh, we help you understand the grieving process of job loss because it's just the same. It's one of the big stressors, uh, stressors in life. All right. I think this is one of the toughest part. Depression has to set in. I mean, I, I don't think people get depressed normally, but this can happen. Now, help me with this. You talk about accountability. Explain what the Career Transition Ministry does when it says accountability. Sure. Accountability is moving people to action. So you're going to come on to our meeting, our Zoom call weekly, and one of the first things I'm going to ask you as a facilitator is how many people did you meet with last week? And my ultimate goal for all of our members is 10 people per week. And if you're not meeting with anybody, your chances of finding that ne next job is zero. If you meet with two, you've got two more chances. If you meet with 10, then you've got five times the chance that you did with the two. So you're helping me. You're kind of pushing me, you know, and, and I, guess, I guess I would find myself to be struggling sometimes. Now, maybe if I'm an aggressive person and I can just move it, but if I'm not, I need that accountability. Absolutely. And we have people in the ministry that come into the group that are extroverts. Some of those find, find it very, very easy. For other people, networking, if they're introverted, is very, very difficult. And networking is key. Networking is 90% of finding the new job. And we help you not only how to do it, we help you with the contacts. And there's actually a whole career transition family in the city of Memphis that's been through this ministry um, that's now working out and will help you network with other people. And we, one of the other big things we help you to do is to define exactly what it is that you want to do because that's one of the biggest things that hold, holds people back. That's a great point. Zoom. How do I, if I'm listening, how do I get connected with you guys at a Zoom meeting? Uh, to get connected, uh, Richard Redmont, give me a call, 901-757-5757. Uh, give me your information and I will forward you the Zoom link and you just click on it and let me know that you're going to be there and we'll welcome you in with open arms. Okay, so we'll give that telephone number out again, but it's 757-5757. Richard, you're actually a financial planner with us at Shoemaker, but I appreciate your ministry. Richard, critical question. We only have a few, sec few minutes left. Here's the deal. If I'm married... How do I communicate with my spouse during this time? 
Great point. And that's one of the things that we work with our members on is how to communicate. One of the things I offer up when I help uh, for the for the participants is that I often have their spouse actually come in there with them so that they don't, they don't, the spouse may not believe that the person who's looking for the job is just going and hanging out at Starbucks uh, all the time. I, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that's a, because it's a struggle and you come home and you're getting beat up at home. That's not good. I mean, I'm not saying that's what's happening, but I know that can occur. And that comes from fear. That, sure. that comes from fear. That comes from uncertainty um, about the financial impact of this. And so you're absolutely uh, right on target in trying to get both spouses to be in this and joined link arms, just like we do in a financial plan, to go forward um, so that you know that that's what's, where you're headed in the right place. Well, it's Career Transition Ministries. Richard Redmont, the Zoom, just simply call you at 757 5757. Just you will send them the link. They can join the no cost to them. No cost. It's absolutely, a ministry. Absolutely free. I'm the moderator, so I'll personally welcome you welcome aboard. Welcome you <laughs> in. So that's great. That's great. Well, thank you, guy. I appreciate your ministry. I appreciate so many people need to that. And Scott, thank you for helping us understand seasons of life and temperament. My goodness, so important when you're becoming an investor or you're thinking about it. And of course, Bob Dahl just gave us a tremendous outview, uh, overview of what's happening with the economy. You've been listening to KWAM, the mighty 990, FM 107.9 and AM 990. My guest, Bob Dahl, Senior Portfolio Manager and Chief Equity Strategist of Nuveen Investments, Scott Jordan and Richard Redmond of Shoemaker Financial. If you have additional questions for Scott or Richard, you can call them or personally talk to them at 757-5757. And to find a copy of the PDF that I mentioned earlier, don't panic. Simply go to our Shoemaker Financial page, look it up. You can either print it, just go to, you know, print the document, download it, print it, and you'll be glad to have it. I want you to have it. I want you to read it. It's called Don't Panic. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And to find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial or listen by podcast at kwam990.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Whether you're looking for advanced sales or advanced topics on buying a home or investing 401k, this is the money. This is the program. It's called, guess what? I'll tell you in a second. Join us next week, 10 o'clock on Saturdays. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks for listening. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Richard Redmond are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. 